Welcome to the OK Productive Podcast. I'm host Eric Gillespie. Uh, joining us today are my usual co-hosts, Leo Dion and Hello. Justin Jackson. Hey. And before we dig in, I'd like to let you know that you can find us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at OK Productive. All right. How's it going, Leo? Good. So I've been thinking a lot lately about, I think it was episode three, I talked about filling up my calendar based on the tasks I have to do. Way back. Yeah, I think that was like two years ago. So one of the things I've noticed, well, first of all, I need to schedule breaks because just filling my time doing stuff, especially when it's like, quite frankly, writing, I have a difficult time staying focused for really long periods of time because it's just not my default mode. But also... There's the issue of like how do I deal with interruptions, which we've also done an episode on. And we also did that episode on over-optimization where it's like I can't just put blocks in my calendar of like tasks that I do. I need breaks in between every so often. But I also need to be like open to interruptions. And I was talking to Justin about this, but he kind of brought up the idea of like clearing the calendar and giving open spots uh, within the calendar as far as like talking to others and being open to other ideas. Justin, was that kind of what you were getting at? Yeah, I mean, I think overall, I kind of subscribe to the Jason Freed method of calendar planning, which is I don't like to have very much on my calendar. I have a few repeating events, but Overall, I have these big white spaces that I purposefully keep open because I want to be able to do work and I want to be able to think. What do you mean exactly by do work and think exactly? Well, so, I mean, who knows? This might just be a phase in my life. But I have had time where I tried to play calendar Tetris. I think Jason Fried came up with that. Yeah, I know exactly what that means. Yeah, so that's where you just you're fitting in, you know, any block of time you have, you're creating an event for that and you try to fill in every available slot of time with something. And there's definitely some phases of my life where that's been helpful. But what's been more helpful now at this stage as my partner John and I are building our company, I found what's more helpful is having very little scheduled and just allowing myself time to think. So thinking for me is I'm not at my desk. I'm going for a walk. I'm going to the coffee shop. I'm maybe just allowing myself to mindlessly browse the internet for a while, even though I know some people can get into trouble with that. But giving myself time to think and not having a specific agenda for you know every kind of block of time. And then also just giving myself time to work. And I think sometimes if there's too many events in my calendar, you know, if I have too many meetings, if I have too many recurring events, if I have too many kind of blocks in there, I find it hard to have these long, uninterrupted periods of work where I can just really dig in deep to something and explore it and make significant progress. So an example would be, you know, I've been trying to teach myself more programming, both on the front end and the back end. And typically how I'll get into that 
is I'll just say, okay, today I'm going to try to, you know, like yesterday, it was I'm going to try to develop a pricing grid for this new marketing site that we're working on. And I know that to do this, to build a responsive table that works well in mobile and on desktop and to kind of go through mm-hmm. that whole process, it's going to take me time. And it's going to need hours, you know, two, three, four hours of just uninterrupted time where I can really get into that and have no distractions. Just so the audience knows, you're working on Transistor right now. You run Mega Maker as well. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like to me, one of the big focuses is learning how Mm -hmm. to do some of the back-end and front-end development with Transistor. Kind of helping John out, essentially. Mm -hmm. So, like, you want to block off like long pieces of time to like work on like the marketing site and things like that. But you don't necessarily put those in the calendar, correct? That's right. For me, having it in the calendar, again, this isn't a hard and fast rule because sometimes I find I do need the accountability of having it in the calendar. But lately, John and I have been trying this new shape up process. Have you folks talked about that on the podcast yet? No, No, not at all. Okay. Okay. I'll just describe it quickly. Shape Up is a book written by Basecamp. It's free. You can go to basecamp.com slash shape up and get it. And a lot of people in the software space right now are talking about it because it kind of puts traditional software project management on its head. And the idea is that instead of doing sprints, which is what a lot of software shops do, and instead of just like saying, okay, next week we're going to start a new sprint and you only have you know, enough work to fit into that sprint. And you have, each individual is kind of responsible for estimating how much they can bite off. Instead, what they do is their leadership team shapes the work before they assign it. So they get together in a room or on a call and they say, here are the contours of you know, this project. And actually, even before that, they go, what do we have the appetite for? So you know, John and I have been considering some different features for Transistor. And it's a podcast hosting platform. There's so many directions we could go with that. And so one idea we had is we could maybe investigate dynamic ad insertion. Another idea we had was to basically add a new private podcasting feature. And the shaping process is saying, okay, which of these is highest priority? What do we have the most appetite for? And then before we start the work, we're going to think about the work which I've never done before. I've, I always just said, okay, like we start on Monday, that's when we're going to get going. But what this process does is say, no, before you start on Monday, the leadership, in our case, it's just John and I, so we are going to think about the work we're about to do and we're going to trace out the contours of it. So we might make some really rough like black marker sketches of some flows We might decide this is what's going to be included. This is what's not going to be included. We're going to write out all of our unknowns, which was a big deal, writing out all of our unknowns. And then only once we feel like this is adequately described for us to start working on it, only then do we start, in our case, a six-week cycle. And now we're in the six-week cycle. And instead of like having a bunch of tasks on our calendar, like, okay, now we're going to you know, work, I'm going to slot in some time to work on this. I'm going to slot in some time to think about this. Instead, it's much more 
kind of open. And if I look at my calendar, for example, for this week, for Transistor, I only have three events. A shaping call that we do on Tuesday mornings at 11, our recording our podcast, which we just did this morning, and then <laughs> those are the three events I had for work this week. And everything else is just kind of a free flow of working on things, waking up in the morning and going, okay, what's still unknown? What do I want to move forward today? What piece has been shaped already, you know, in the sense that it has a, a rough sketch that I want to start working on? And then just continuing to kind of push that ball forward. And whenever I get stuck and I don't know what to work on next, I just look at what's still unknown. And so, you know, instead of just looking for at a task list and having, you know, a big list of things I need to do, it's much more kind of objective focused and focused on eliminating unknowns and moving this thing forward to the point where we could ship it. And we know we have a, a hard deadline, which is on October 15th, I think. That's the end of the six-week cycle. Is that process of getting rid of the unknowns or making them a little bit more clear and uh, known, is that part of the shape-up process? Or is that part of the clearing your calendar? Yeah, I think, well, these two philosophies work really well together. So again, a lot of this for me, is that I'm just drinking the Basecamp Kool-Aid. <laughs> Jason Fried is like, yeah, I don't like scheduling a bunch of things in my calendar. And when he said that, it just resonated with me because there's a few things about scheduling that I don't like. And again, I, I know it doesn't work for some people, but for me, it just seems to work better. So one thing about scheduling I don't like is as soon as I have an event in the middle of my day, so let's say someone wants to meet with me at 1 p.m., well, now my whole day mm -hmm. is anchored around that thing. It removes a big chunk of my freedom. So if I want to like really delve into some code and it's noon, I know I can't because there's no way I'm going to be able to get going on that and still make my meeting at one o'clock. If the snow is good here in the winter and I want to go snowboarding, but I have a call booked that morning, I have to, you know, do a bunch of work to reschedule that call before I can go. And these all might seem so silly, but a lot of us are working for ourselves or working independently, we're freelancing, we're building our own companies. And the reason we started this work is that we absolutely wanted to be the masters of our time. Every time I give up some of my freedom, I'm like, "Oh, well, what's the point? You know, that I'm missing out on one of the reasons I did this." The other thing is just if every minute of my day is scheduled, for me personally, and I know some people it's the opposite, uh, having things scheduled helps them, you know, gives them time to think. They'll schedule in thinking time and other things. But for me, having the white space in my calendar, like I'm looking at my week right now, and it is just calming to see there's only three work events on here. And then my private calendar is overlaid on top and I can see, okay, you know, my kid's got an appointment here. Like today I have a haircut this afternoon. I had a bad sleep last night. So I, I did actually <laughs> schedule myself a nap from like two o'clock till four. And then we have a Geek Beers meetup tonight at five. So 
Today, I felt like I needed to schedule a little bit more because I didn't sleep very well last night. I'm a little bit kind of unglued. And so for me to just have things in my calendar of like, okay, you've got a haircut, but then you're going to nap. You make sure that you nap. Don't do anything else during that time. And then you've got this kind of social obligation at night. The point is that those philosophies, the shaping and the idea of clearing your schedule, I think work well together. And a lot of it has to do with giving yourself the time to you know, calm yourself down, to think, to get into deep work. I might actually go into the calendar and say, put a calendar event to block off time to work on something. Because a couple of things come up. One thing, I get up in the morning and I have like no clue what to work on. Like, I just know I've had those days where it's like, uh, I don't know if I want to work on that one thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, if I have it in the calendar, I'm a little bit more like I can just look and see, okay, that's right. Today, I'm going to work on this email. I'm going to send out or blog post or whatever. And then I just know I'm going to work on that all day. Mm -hmm. Secondly, if I put it in the calendar, if somebody calls up and says, hey, we want to schedule a meeting with you. I'm not going to say I wouldn't put that meeting on that day, but I'm a little less hesitant to be like, yeah, I don't want to put it on Wednesday because that's the day I'm working on that blog post. And so I'll just schedule it for Tuesday or Thursday or something like that. So I don't know what your thoughts on that is. That's kind of my Mm -hmm. point to that. Yeah, one thing that I feel like I could improve is having theme days. So instead of having like a, a time slot in my day booked, for example, I've thought maybe I should make Thursday my phone calls day. So if people want to have me on their podcast. And so I think that could be helpful for me. I also have kind of this internal clock already because I know okay. that I publish a newsletter every Saturday morning. And so if I haven't started mm-hmm. writing something by Thursday, I know <laughs> that you know the clock is ticking. Like I got to start working on something around Thursday at the latest. You know, if I'm starting it on Friday, it's like, okay, this is going to be a big part of my day is just getting this thing out. I think having theme days is, if you do want to keep a a clear calendar, then you can just see like, oh yeah, this is my day to do business admin. This is my day to really do deep dives into programming. I've been thinking about cadence and rhythm a lot. The other thing that John and I have started to schedule is times where we want to slow down. I've never been very good at this. And this is something that my friend Paul Jarvis has always been good at. And I'm tr- every year he does this, I'm like, I'm going to do this too. And every year I get a little bit better. But he takes off December. Yeah, smart. December comes around and he just cancels all, he doesn't publish any podcasts. He doesn't publish any new blog posts. He doesn't publish his weekly newsletter. He's still working, but he's just doing very kind of wind down sort of things. He might be doing some research for a new book. He might be doing some writing or thinking. He might be doing some year-end paperwork. But the cadence of that is something I've always kind of been jealous of. And so one thing John and I did is we scheduled in our calendar December 16th, which is a Monday. It says prepare to slow down (laughs) just on the calendar. And then on the 19th, which is a Thursday, we actually have slow down. So we're planning on basically not working very much from December 19th until probably the 6th of January. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It makes me think about like as an iOS developer, the app store shuts down between like right before Christmas till the new year. And it's like you can't submit an app before then. So if you want to get an app into the app store, when people get their new iPhone for Christmas, mm-hmm. you better get the app approved by like mid-December because nobody's going to be approving your app late December. So like I think people lie to themselves. and They're like, I'm just going to work through 80 mm-hmm. hours and uh, burn out and their quality of work sucks. And I think it's almost worth that where you like schedule breaks and you force yourself to break. And then when you go back to work, you really take advantage of Mm -hmm. that limited time when you do have the chance to work on something. Yeah. And also I always have this realization in the summer. It's like, I don't clue in that my kids are going to be home. Right, right. In the summer. (laughs) And so... I don't know why it always comes as a surprise, but it'll be July 2nd and my wife will say, okay, so who's going to be home with the kids today? Yeah. I'm like, what? Oh, yeah. And so we're trying to anticipate some of that by putting in our calendar, you know, June 25th, prepare to slow down. And that just means like you need to stop working. Like you need to close off this project. You need to wind this thing down. You need to make sure that either you have podcast episodes scheduled, or you are just taking a break for the summer. And then during the summer, a lot of our customers are not around anyway, just having a very minimal amount of work. There's something about that that I think is going to be really healthy for us of having these natural rhythms scheduled into our calendar. Yeah. It reminds me of what you were saying with uh, themes. It's almost like your theme is changing. And I think even if Leo wants to put something on his calendar for one type of work, I'm almost certain as a parent, he's going to have theme time where he has stuff that's not on his calendar, but it's got a theme to it, like chore day or something like that. You're doing laundry, you're getting groceries, you're doing other kinds of activities with your kids mm-hmm. where it's stuff that you've got to do, but you don't have it all like locked down. Like I'm going to do laundry at one o'clock and then I'm going to, you know, hit the bank at two o'clock and then I'm going to go to the grocery store, you know, half an hour later. Right. I think as parents, there's a lot of that, that we just don't think of it as necessarily work, but it does have a theme to it by putting it in this like unscheduled, but still like Mm -hmm. big pocket of time somewhere on our weekend or an evening or something like that. It gives us the freedom Mm -hmm. to get everything done, but also adapt to, well, it just took me half an hour longer to get the kids ready to get out the door. So, you know, I've got to uh, adjust. So maybe I'm going to actually do the grocery shopping first because, you know, laundry can run overnight while I'm sleeping or something like that. Yeah. I actually, that's one place where I think this is going to sound so ironic, but I'm going to start scheduling my weekends more than my work week. And the reason is that my I'm terrible at weekends. I just suck at them. I wake up Saturday morning and I don't know what to do. <laughs> Should be your Twitter, Twitter profile. Bad at weekends. <laughs> I'm really bad at weekends. It'll get to Sunday night and I'll have all sorts of regret. Oh, I wish I'd done something with the kids. Oh, I wish I'd done my laundry. Oh, I wish I'd fixed this thing in the house. And so for me, I think calendars can be helpful when I'm trying to develop a new habit or a new discipline. Right now, the nature of my work is way more freeform. It's way more, I just need time to think. I need yeah. to like wake up and say, what's the most important thing I could do today? And just work on that. 
It's self-driven, right? Yeah, exactly. I don't need a lot of kind of rails there. But my weekends, <laughs> I need to have something in my calendar. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do my laundry. That needs to get done. I'm going to fix my kid's bike. That needs to get done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be grumpy if I don't do something fun with the kids. And so what's that going to be? I think that's something I need to get better at. I always never know when to like do that planning. You know, like, when do you guys do your planning? When do you put things in your calendar? Like, for outside of work? I guess both. Do you two schedule your weekends right now? I do not. Kind of. Yeah, it's like me and Mrs. Dion kind of schedule our weekends. So, like, look at community activities we want to do. We typically do, like, shopping on Saturdays unless my wife can squeeze it in on Friday. But it becomes a problem, and you probably can relate to this, but, like, the weeks become so busy. My kids are starting to be at the, we have to drive them to sports age. So it's already a pretty busy week. So I don't mind a little bit of mm-hmm. like do nothing during the weekend. But like, as far as like planning my week Fridays, typically, mm. I have like a spreadsheet right now that I go through every week and kind of like look at what I've gotten done and what I have it and kind of like basically copy the sheet from one spreadsheet to another for the next week and then say, I don't really want to work on this or this has really been neglected or this I've finished and kind of cross off, prioritize literally with a number and then go from there and say, okay, I'm going to do the top five tasks of the week and that's that. But I've gotten away from the like strict calendar stuff when it comes to prior, like mm-hmm. actually scheduling when I'm going to do stuff. You're doing it all in a spreadsheet. Yeah, I used to use a ton of these like other to-do apps, but like for me, it's just come down to using a spreadsheet, having a list of tasks, and then prioritizing based on priority and my desire to actually work on it. And we can get into like my actual desire to work on certain kinds of work. But it helps me like understand, okay, I kind of guess how many hours something's going to take. And then I say, okay, I'm going to do these five tasks this week. And like, if I can get those done, I'll be confident with my week. So it sounds like you're talking about business responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's actually personal stuff in there. You know, like I got to fix a door. It's going to take time no matter what. And I got to schedule that time. So even if it's personal or business, I still have to do it. So it's still going to be like something I need to get done that week, regardless of whether it's personal or business. I think that's one of the things of being self-employed. It's like you have to still allocate that time for the personal stuff you have to take care of besides the business stuff. Yeah. So I may as well just put it all in one spreadsheet. It doesn't really make difference to separate it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. So it sounds like the like one thing or the five things that we want to get done, one common thing is that when we talk about our most important thing, it's not the things that we kind of take for granted, like keeping ourselves alive and clean and making sure the kids get to school or anything like that, because those are givens. Like, honestly, keeping your kids alive you know, Mm -hmm. staying fresh, all of that stuff is really probably like top priorities. (laughs) Eating and drinking water are pretty darn important, but we don't count those because they're the givens. You don't have to think about it. Like that's kind of part of the thing is like, if I have to think about it, I need it written down somewhere. Yeah. I think some of those can become important when things start falling apart on our plans. Yes. And I'm a little bit similar to Leo. I typically have mostly a work-focused checklist for the week. And then I have these uh, one-off personal or family types of tasks that either like if something falls off of the like weekend list, like we didn't get around to doing groceries or something like that, I will make a point to actually put that on my list so that it gets 
addressed so we're not just like scraping together food out of whatever's in the pantry and the freezer. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, for weekends, I don't really write anything down. We tend to have conversations. And then even when we're doing the chores or just doing some family fun together, we try and treat a little bit of that as uh, like unstructured. Let's just go with the flow because we want it to be as relaxing as possible, not just like, let's go, 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 go yeah. and get all this stuff done. Let's get through it. Like, let's enjoy it while we can, even if it's something as seemingly mundane as doing groceries or doing laundry. Justin, earlier, you had kind of mentioned something about this maybe being a phase, but you know, all this talk about relating your concept of opening up your calendar kind of reminded me of some other things with kids, like especially in public schools, they have recess time. I almost think of that when I hear so mm-hmm. many examples where you might have that theme or you might want to get out of your learning environment or whatever other like time and obligation you have so that you can free yourself and just let yourself do whatever you want. And you might have a specific idea in mind of like what you want to do to fill that time. And I'll try and dig up some of the uh, research, but it's actually been shown to be really effective in actually improving our capacity to learn as well. Yeah. I mean, what helps is that the first step of the shaping process is you go in and you delete your backlog. And something I was holding on to was every time we'd have a new idea, every time a customer would request something new, we would put it into our project management software as a backlog. And in some ways, a calendar can feel like this too. Like you can keep adding events and recurring events and filling things up until you've got this big stack of stuff. And so as John and I were starting this process, we just went in and we just deleted our backlog. Wow. No more tasks to do. And the thinking is, one, that backlog becomes overbearing. It starts to weigh on you because you always know you've got this big list of stuff that's not getting any smaller. Nothing is ever done. It's like it increases your inertia. Because you feel like you have to carry that weight with you as you move forward. Yeah, you're always kind of, you know, Monday morning you wake up and you look at that list and you you can see there's Mm -hmm. lots to do there. But I found it demotivating. It's just there's so much stuff and nothing is really, sure, you might have prioritized it, but it just feels like this is big and not shaped, basically. And so we deleted the backlog and now we know we're in this six-week cycle. We have one focus, getting this private podcasting feature out the door. And the only other thing we're doing right now is customer support and some ongoing marketing and stuff too. But everything else, and by the way, customer support and marketing for us, if it's not a big campaign, it's very fluid. It's just, okay, I think I'm going to do this. Oh yeah, I should write a post. I feel strongly about this. Oh, someone's asking about this quite a bit. I'm going to make a video. I don't schedule any of that in. I just, if it comes up and I feel like I should do it, I do it. And then I get it out. And then I return to the bigger kind of picture, which is we're working on this one thing. So what do you do if within that six weeks, some big problem comes up with hosting like a private podcast that's say out of your control? What do you do? Like basically you can't get it done in those six weeks. We haven't encountered that yet, so I don't really know. There is quite a bit of margin built in 
to this already. Like we feel like we gave ourselves a good amount of time to get this feature set out the door. And honestly, the focus has given us so much more margin. Because before, every day I was like, okay, well, today I'll work on the marketing site. And then I'd go down that. And then the next day I'd wake up and I'd be like, oh, John, we should really you know, improve the show's settings page. And we were just yanking ourselves back and forth. But here it's just, we don't need anything on the calendar because we just know what we're working on. And I have gotten off track a few times. And John says, hey, Justin, just check and see what unknowns we have. Like, what do we still need to figure out? And I'll go in, I'll be, oh yeah, we still need to do some research on this. And so I'll go do that. The focus of that and the margin that it creates and the space that it creates, it's calming and it really changes the feel of a week. My week has gone from here's a big list of tasks or here's a big week full of repeating events to really, I only have a few things you know, Thursday, Friday, and everything else is freeform. And I know it's not like I'm confused about what I need to be working on. I know everything I do needs to be pushing this ball forward of get this feature out. And everything else is kind of secondary to that. Yeah, those big backlogs, I, I totally agree. There's like this gravity to them, this like looming sense that there's just piles of obligations. And I kind of get that sense from having a lot of stuff in my calendar too certain weeks, like this past week, my wife was Mm -hmm. out of town and every single night for the whole week, I was solo parenting. And so I had places to take my daughter and I had all kinds of different events in the evenings as well. And it was all on my calendar. Every time I looked at my calendar, it was just so disheartening because Mm -hmm. I just felt like I had no wiggle room. Like I couldn't even just let myself stop and just (sighs) breathe out for even one moment, because there were all of these different Mm -hmm. things in my calendar that they were going to happen, whether I like it or not, and I had no control over it. Yeah. And it creates a mania that I think is unhealthy if you want to do creative work, because there's this manic energy, which is why I think people like it sometimes. They like filling their calendar. I've had periods of my life where I loved this. It was just like, Monday through Friday is filled with meetings, it's filled with repeating tasks, it's filled with events, it's filled with, I'm going to do this during this time, and everything is slotted in. And Mm -hmm. it felt like I was being productive. The problem, and what I've realized now that we've done the shape-up process, is that thinking about your work and giving yourself time and space to think about your work makes better work. And so instead of having this kind of nonstop mania, I feel like I have time to reflect. It's like so much of what we do is just needing to have time to kind of grind away on something, you know, maybe in the background, maybe in your subconscious. And if you don't have time to do that, if you don't have space to do that, you just get addicted to doing kind of tasks because it makes you feel like, Busy work. Yeah, it makes you feel like you're accomplishing something. But now that we've started to think about our work and plan our work before we start it, again, like I said, it almost feels like we don't need it. We don't need all the events scheduled in. We don't need all the tasks. We just need a few kind of touchstones in our week and everything else is very open. And so the other nice thing is that it creates 
again, I'll, I'll use today as an example. Like I just slept like crap last night. I got like four or five hours sleep. And if my day was filled with meetings, I would feel like I have an obligation to go through my whole day. But it's not filled with meetings. My afternoon's completely free. And so I now have this freedom to go home and sleep. And so it's like I'm not punishing myself, right? Like you ever wake up sick uh, one day and you look at your calendar, you're like, oh, I'm so sick, but I got to grind through this day because look at all these things I have planned, right? Yeah, I think that's pretty common in uh, typical office culture as well. Lots of meetings, you're not feeling your best, but you've still got to get in there and Mm -hmm. do it because you feel like you're accountable to all of these people. Yeah. And I, I think I like the experiments that Jason Freed, he used to do this all the time. He used to say, make one day a week, no meetings day to start. Yeah. So you've got this office culture and you, you know, you've got meetings. It's like, no, we need meetings. He's like, okay, just start with one day a week, Fridays, no meeting Fridays. No one books a meeting that day. You can just use that time however you'd like. And I th- honestly think that alone would increase office productivity a ton. Like you will be able to see the performance gains because now people have this big block of space that they can do whatever they want with that and maybe try some things <laughs> that they wouldn't normally try. Like right. take a walk, like get out of the office and walk and think about your work. Think about you know whether you really need to do that thing. There's more to work than just sitting behind a screen. It seems like we're talking about two different kinds of like time, flow time, where you're just researching and working on something and like rest time. And I don't mean that like in a bad way, but I just mean like giving mm-hmm. your brain a break from like working on a particular technical problem or linguistic problem. Mm-hmm. Writing. Recharging. Yeah, exactly. And it seems like that's what we're talking about. It's like not having just work time of like, okay, I'm going to yeah. like work on this problem, but more like flow where it's like, you know, I've experienced this and I think it's easy for developers, but like when things are just moving forward and forward and you have that momentum and you're learning and picking up new things and you kind of see how the puzzles fit, like that kind of flow time. Does that sound like what we're talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Deep work in the flow time. Maybe you've got, you know, three hours of that in a day, six hours if you're really kind of on fire. And it's almost like my days kind of naturally fall in, a good day will fall into this pattern where I wake up in the morning, I have to answer customer support right now. We might hire for that later, but right now we're doing it ourselves. And so interacting with customers is probably going to be a third of my day. Another third of my day, hopefully, is doing some sort of deep work where I am just really focused on a single kind of project Like, okay, today I'm going to figure out the pricing page. I'm going to build it. And then the other third of my day in a good day is really kind of like just open of, all right, well, maybe I'll go for a walk. Maybe I'll just go to the coffee shop and listen to a podcast. Maybe I'll have a nap. Maybe I'll watch YouTube even. Like just being okay with letting my mind wander being okay with not really doing much at all. And increasingly, I'm seeing the value of that last type of work. That last type of work helps to shape and define the deep work I'm going to do in the future. It reduces a lot of my work because as I kind of churn away on things in the background, 
I prioritize my work in a way that I think is health, healthy. I remove a lot of things that I, I thought were important, but actually are not that important when I really kind of ponder them for a bit. So yeah, I like that distinction. I think recognizing I'm basically going to be able to get one really good thing done every day. Mm-hmm. And so if I want to write a newsletter, that's like the one thing I'm going to be able to do well. And I think maybe this is where office culture fails a little bit is that we've said that unless you're, I used to joke that like as long as I was staring at my screen and Excel was open, the boss was happy, (laughs) right? (laughs) It looked like I was working. But that's such a bad metric for productivity. But if I'm chatting with somebody at the water cooler, well, that's not work. That's, you know, fiddling around or whatever. But the truth is, good CEOs Mm -hmm. do that all the time. Good CEOs go golfing. Good CEOs go for coffee meetings. Good CEOs take walks. And if it's good enough for the CEO, I guess it depends on the type of work, but because so much of us are doing this knowledge work, if it's good for the CEO, it's good for the knowledge worker. And because now I run my own company, I get to decide what I do. And so if I want to go to the coffee shop and just have really stimulating conversation with the community around here, I can do that. And I know that it has a big benefit on my work. I'm not as addicted to like just staring at a screen and, you know, having Excel up and saying, okay, well, this is what I need to be doing. If I'm on my computer and I'm working, it's like, okay, there should be a blog post at the end of this. And that's going to take me two or three hours. Yeah. And I think like removing that stigma or guilt that you have on yourself, I think is super important because it's like resting a muscle. It's essentially if you keep pushing that muscle too hard, you're going to tear something and you're going to not be able to be productive later. That's the way I think about it. Along those lines too, once you start putting a lot of stuff in your calendar, there is this um, sense that you don't have the liberty or it's a lot bigger deal to actually start taking things off of your calendar like having to go and cancel meetings with people. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people would feel like they're letting those other people down or that you're just like putting things off. And Mm -hmm. by trying to shift towards this mindset of having less in your calendar to begin with gives you the opportunity to do those like regular emotional check-ins with yourself and see, did I sleep poorly last night? And am I the kind of person that when I get little sleep, I need to actually Mm -hmm. kind of buckle down and put a little bit more structure into my calendar to make sure that I have these like checkpoints being met so that I don't have to think about it as much. Or am I the kind of person who needs to just Mm -hmm. take that time and do something else to allow me to get through the day, whether it's take a nap or have some unstructured time, whether it is just doing some research on your phone or on the internet or whatever. Or being able to just sit and focus on one problem and allow yourself that time to just dig in and focus and not worry about any of your other obligations that you might have. Yeah, I think in the same way that deleting my backlog was very freeing for us, like I held on to it so tightly. Like I can't, like, you know, I had like tons of notes in there and I had support tickets that were related to these things. And, but just to remove it, was so freeing. It was like this huge weight came off my shoulders. And in the same way, I think, you know, we can get in these habits, but then never question why we're doing them. So it's like, 
well, no, I need to have weekly one-on-one with this person. You know, maybe they're someone you work with or someone you supervise. Well, do you really? Like maybe just every two weeks is fine or maybe every month is fine or maybe it's fine to keep it in there, but you can't have, you know, 10 one-on-ones every week. (laughs) Maybe it's okay to question some of the assumptions that made you put them in your calendar in the first place. And looking back now, and again, this is just me, so maybe this only applies to me, but when I was really harried and manic and working on a ton of things at once and taking every opportunity that came my way and scheduling it all in. And this is both for like when I was working at a company and when I was working for myself. In terms of outcomes, that manic work produced the least desirable outcomes. And since I've started working with John on Transistor, I mean, we're building this company from nothing. We're making way less money than we were before. And that has a certain amount of stress (laughs) right there. But despite, you know, it not being as much money, the peace that we have is noticeable. And my dad was visiting this summer and, you know, normally I'm like working on a bunch of different projects. I got, I got a launch coming up. I'm finishing a book. I'm, you know, meeting with these people. I'm doing a conference talk this week. And it was just a lot of kind of hurrying around and lots of stuff in the calendar. And he said, Justin, you are more calm and relaxed than I have seen you in a long time. You're just less wound up. And again, it, it's hard for me to say if this is like, going to be absolute for me and absolute for everybody in a repeatable way. But my sense is that the outcomes we're getting in Transistor are better because we're giving ourselves all of this space, both in our calendar and also, like you guys said, giving ourselves permission to, like a common kind of thing we have in our Slack is John will be like, okay, I'm going for a run. I'm going for a swim. Or I'll say, oh, I'm going to take my boys mountain biking. And for us, that's what we're working into our day. Like That's what we're prioritizing is those kinds of things. And being okay with like, okay, well, maybe this week we worked 30 hours. And maybe next week we'll work 40. But we very rarely are working. I mean, maybe there's been some weeks where we've worked over 50, but not very much. Our cadence of work is just very minimal. And right now it seems to be producing better outcomes. It sounds like your mental health is in a better place too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I had one more question I wanted to ask. When you are in that flow of working on something, what do you do about interruptions, specifically interruptions when it comes to like social media or Slack or anything like that? I'm of the type where it's like, if I really want to deep dive on something, I close Slack, I close my email, I shut off social media and things like that because I really want to focus on that one project. Do you have like a particular philosophy to so that you do keep that flow Mm -hmm. going, that momentum going as opposed to like getting interrupted or getting tempted to be interrupted? A lot of it depends on how tired I am. So like right now, I can tell Mm -hmm. if I work the rest of today, I'm going to just be on Reddit all day (laughs) right? because I'm so tired. I can feel it. My brain does not have that gear I need to get into. Once I'm in that gear, it is very hard to distract me. 
One of the tricks I use is I live stream my deep work, or at least a portion of it. So I need to work on a particularly difficult programming problem, or at least for me. And so I'll just go live. And the act of going live for me is like a trigger of, okay, I am working on this thing. And a lot of it is to disrupt me out of you know, non-focus time. Like, that's it. I've got it. Like enough with this fooling around. I just need to get something done right now. And so going live is kind of like the break point. Like, okay, now I'm live streaming for the world. I'm going to tell the world what I'm trying to do right now. It doesn't even matter if anyone's listening or watching. Just the fact that I know I'm on display instantly kind of, it brings everything down to, okay, what am I trying to accomplish? And I'll usually live stream for about an hour. And it's been nice. A lot of folks will often show up and help me, you know, work through things. And then once that hour is done, I can continue in that deep work where I'm not distracted by people commenting and chatting with me live. I can just be like, okay, now I'm, I'm going to finish this thing. Okay. Interesting. Because, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense because I feel like I've tried this myself. And like the only issue I have with live stream and as you get into live streaming is like just the knobs and gears you have to turn for me to get started. And then once I get started, like being distracted by like, Oh, is this stream working? Oh, I got a comment here. Oh, like, wait, did I do this right? Is this Mm -hmm. showing up on the screen? Like that kind of stuff. That's my only caveat with live streaming, but I do agree. I think it's a great way to like, yeah. Trigger that mental model of like deep work while at the same time being interactive with others. Yeah, it also works with another Basecamp project, which is this idea of hill charts. Have you talked about that? Okay, so hill chart is, just imagine every project has the uphill stage where there's a lot of unknowns and you don't really know what to act on. So, for example, I'm working on this pricing page. I have so many unknowns, like how do I build a responsive table? What items should I include in this? What CSS am I going to use here? What kind of grid am I going to use? There's all of these unknowns. And then once you push that rock up to the top of the hill, once you're at the top of the hill, that's kind of the the tipping point where all of your questions have been answered. You've done the research. You've explored. You have answered those unknowns. Mm -hmm. And at that point, execution is easy, right? You've already done the hard work. And it feels like going down the hill. That's the hill chart. Makes total sense. Okay. Yeah. And so I found that going live, live streaming is great for the first part. That's when I'm like, ah, like there's unknowns, there's momentum problems. A lot of the time we don't want to start on a project because there's too many unknowns. And I think that's a great opportunity to like talk to yourself and to your community as you're like trying to figure out what the unknowns are. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And even just to know, oh, wait a second, I'm procrastinating right now. Because I don't know how to get started. I don't know what to work on. I don't know how to solve this problem. I've never built a responsive pricing table before. Like, do I use divs? Do I use tables? Do I use... There's all these things. And so just knowing that I'm at that stage is helpful. Because we've all felt that time where we finally get through the grind of figuring out what we need to do and how we're going to solve the problem. Once we know how to solve the problem, it's like you can't wait to do it. Like you can't wait to execute on that thing. There's nothing that's going to 
slow you down, right? It's the same with writing a blog post. So when you start, you have an idea, there's all these unknowns, right? And so there, I'll be you know, trying material on Twitter. I'll be in the Mega Maker Slack and I'll be throwing out ideas. I might go live and I might just kind of blab it out and see if I can start to form something. But once I have kind of all of the pieces, I might be doing research on Google, right? Like, okay, how does this work? What kind of academic papers are there on this topic? Once I've gone through all of that, then executing on the blog post is easy. I'm at the top of the hill and I can go downhill and just start writing. And yeah, I found like it's overcoming that initial, like, ah, I don't know how to get started that I need help with. And so, yeah, live streaming has been helpful for me on that, working in public. But definitely at, at one point, I need to like shut that off and just focus with no distractions. Awesome. Eric, did you have any other questions before we close out? So my company is Transistor.fm. It's podcast hosting and analytics. I blog at justinjackson.ca. My newsletter is there as well. I send out a new newsletter every Saturday morning. And Twitter is kind of like where I try out my new material. And I'm the letter M, the letter I, Justin. M-I, Justin. Yeah, I live stream on Twitch, Mega Justin, and on Twitter, MI Justin, and on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Justin Jackson. I stream live on all three platforms at once. Yeah, and of course, this podcast, if you've downloaded it, was downloaded through Transistor, which is the host that we use, and they've worked out really well. Yeah. Thank you so much, Justin, for coming on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me.